0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to take a look at some of the international rugby from the south. Then we'll head north to Northampton, where we'll be joined by England and British and Irish Lions for Courtney Laws to discuss his return to Saints and their unbeaten start to the season. So sit back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify.
2: See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy.
0: so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. How's your week been,
3: lads? Go on, Jim. How was your weekend, son? All good. I don't know who goes first and who goes second, but nonetheless, it was good. Interesting weekend that I need to share with you. And, lads, we know it's been 18 months or so, whatever it's been, lost count now, having been stuck in the house, on Zoom. We've been out a little bit. So I've I've been out a little bit, but not like out-out. Or I've been out-out a couple of times, but not out-out yeah. working. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, it was my first night on the after-dinner circuit again, on that scene again. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it was. Andrew, I know you've done a few, and we've had, I think, one live show um, in the last 18 months. But that was it. That was like my big moment to get back out there. Peacock. Put myself... Peacock. Peacock, get out there, take the new material out to the masses that I've been thinking about during the last 18 months, smash it, and that could be the start of, basically, Jim the comedy genius, Hamilton tour of scotland yeah and it went down like a shit sandwich how did you know i <laughs> did it really <laughs> tumbleweeds absolute really? tumbleweeds i'm gutted i mean for those of you who follow me on instagram i looked a million fucking dollars you I did looked, look sharp you did yeah. look sharp again i've not wore the glad rags so this is what i've been trying to get out to the millions i'd be tartan trues on Be black watch trues i had be velvet jacket on i had me new High collared Italian shirt, smelt amazing, looked amazing, absolutely bombed.
0: <laughs> you not put the old red suede jacket on again. Maybe that's why they didn't laugh at you. Or maybe they did I laugh
3: could, at you I could, I could I could have walked in there, start bullet naked. I don't think they were gonna laugh at me. <laughs> I'll be honest. Let me just set the scene. A big shout out to Lindsay Rugby Club in Glasgow for inviting me along. So this is not a slight on them. They're absolutely amazing hosts the hoster being me, weren't so great. Now, Nigel Owens pulled out about three or four weeks before I get called up and the the guys at this, a big shout out, Mike, to you, who listens to the podcast and there's about 20 or 30 younger lads who weren't going to the event when Nigel Owens was booked but when they heard that big Jim from the rugby pod was going, they came out in their droves, all 30 of them. Uh, Amen. Amen. So I'm thinking if there's a big rugby pod contingent here, they know what they're getting. They want blood. They want... The rabbit story, they want podcast stories. No, they don't. No, they No, they don't. No, they don't. They might, but the masses of 300 people in there did not want that. Andrew. Oh, no. Oh, no. Andrew. Now, the whole part of comedy and stand-up and after-dinner speaking, you've got to take the rough with the smooth, right? And you've got to be... I always say, yeah, people are like, what happens when it doesn't go well? You've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable is how I say it. That's the analogy. Well, I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I hit them... With an apology why Nigel Owens wasn't there. And then I've gone straight into it. I've tried to, I've, go, I've got this story about what it is to be Scottish and how Kelly Brown has got a girl's name and his dad's English and his mum's Irish and he's not Scottish and John Barclay was born in Hong Kong so he's Chinese. That didn't go down well. I hit them with the Northern Hebridean accent, the capital of Scotland, Swindon, apologise for my Scottish accent. Didn't go down well. Nothing. Hit them. So I thought, right, this crowd is getting it. They are getting the Rabbit Gate story from 2015 World Cup that made us go viral. Shit sandwich. (laughs) Tumbleweeds. (laughs) So I've thought the only way back here, the only way back here is the Andy Goode start of the podcast, hair transplant, but should have got a gastric band. I thought that (laughs) if that's not going to get them, nothing nothing will. And it didn't shit <laughs> not even not even a whisper oh, no. do you know i brought it back just i brought it back just i went down the rugby hashtag rugby family values inclusion loved it they absolutely uh, loved it there we go so at the end with sweat beating off my me head my me armpits were leaking the velvet jacket, which was a just-off-black colour, was now dark black. I've hit them with hashtag ruby values, and I've absolutely gone down a storm. If only someone would have said to start the speech with that and maybe hit them with the rabbits and the gastric bands at the end. And we did a quick Q&A, and some young lad from the back shouted, biggest bush, you or Goody. And I tried to go into this story about bushes and pubic hair. And you know when you just read the room? Yeah. I chopped my pint and walked off, and that was it. That was, it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. that was the end. So, oh, yeah,
3: so big shout-out to Lindsay, raising some funds for the clubhouse. You arguably shouldn't have given me my fee, but maybe you should have paid me double. I don't know what happens, but nonetheless, well, it took him, me out of my comfort zone.
0: Yeah, tell them next year. I'll, uh, I'll do it for him and see if we can get even less laughs out, shall we?
3: Well, we've been invited back to do a, a live podcast with Mike and his mate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just two guys yeah nice because they Lovely. love us yeah we're talking about bush i was up at leicester tigers on uh, saturday hosting the corporate and i bumped into the ultimate bush man Yog. no who's got the ultimate bush in rugby jordan the, murphy but that we've, uh, jordan ed, murphy? The, that we've ever seen the Cosa. original yeah martin cory corsa me old bush uh bumped into him
3: so he is if anyone says you know we've gone through the guests to go at yeah. Really, that's how we should. you should have started that. You should have said, Jim, a quick one, guess the go at, Biggest Bush, I would have said Koza.
0: There we go. So I, I apologise for my delivery there, James. But uh, yeah, I saw him. Interviewed Richard Hill, England team manager, ex-Saracens back rower. And he confirmed, I'm pretty sure he confirmed, um, may, maybe not in so many words, but the feeling I got was Eddie Jones listens to this podcast every week. So Eddie, how are you, son? Good couple of days in camp, apparently. He definitely listens to it, Jim.
3: I've, I am not even in any doubt in my mind, <laughs> albeit, <laughs> albeit vulnerable, and I've been broken down this weekend. I'm in no doubt that Eddie Jones listens to this. Eddie, hello, mate. Uh,
0: so, yeah, good good weekend up at Leicester. Hell of a finish that game. We'll get onto that later. Um, and then Family Day Sunday. Pablo cooked a hell of a roast chicken on Sunday. My folks came over.
3: Talking of chickens and turkeys and carvery. Yeah. Have you ever been to me old tribal tattoo, Toby Carver? I a mean, Toby Carvery, absolute mongrel, mate. I am in. <laughs> I reckon? have not been. to. A, I don't reckon you've been. This is why. It is, it doesn't sound the best. It's basically an all you can eat Toby Carvery, but you don't get to eat all the meat that literally you need a chainsaw to cut. But <laughs> with four kids not wanting to cook, it, it it was an absolute breeze. It was a bottomless Coke and Fanta, which the kids aren't allowed. And it was bottomless veg, which the kids don't want. But I was loving it. I was absolutely loving it. So, big shout out to Toby Carver.
0: Nice. Today, I was back in the gym. I say back in the gym. Really? I went for a, Yeah, I went for a spin class today. We're going on a day in a couple of weeks, so we need to shift about 10 kilos. Can you do that in a couple of weeks, do you reckon?
3: Um, I, with your diet, I don't think so. <laughs> no, but okay. I know,
0: I... <laughs> well, tweak, tweak meals have been absolutely dominating. But yeah, I was back in spinning again this morning. I've got two apologies to make to my fellow classmates. Uh, first and foremost, Jim, and you'll appreciate this, I've got to apologise to them. I absolutely dominated the spin class. Now, it doesn't matter that all the women in there were over 60 years of age, but I absolutely dominated all these women in the spin class. And you taught me about this, about you know, the leaderboard when you see it, when you're doing the spin class and you've got that interaction with the leaderboard, and I'm just flying. So I apologise to all those women. A little bit like I felt a little bit like you, Jim, when you played against India, back in the day, and you scored that hat-trick, one from about 60 metres out, you can only beat what's in front of you, can't you?
3: I've, I, exactly right. Andrew, it's, you can go as hard as you can go, but if people ain't going that hard, then your <laughs> go in hard is very hard.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I dominate that. But then I've got to apologise to all those women as well, because off the back of Pablo's roast chicken on Sunday... When you have the stuff in, tell the farts that the next day.
3: <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Sage and onion, stuff oh and dear. farts.
0: I mean, I just filled the room with absolute pace and power on the bike, but also absolute power <laughs> coming out of my ass as well. So two apologies to anyone that was in my spin class this morning. It was Pablo's fault, is all I'm saying.
1: Well, the start of my weekend wasn't quite as uncomfortable as Jim's, but it was still unpleasant watching the All Blacks go down to the now number one side in the world, the Springboks. What did you guys make of that game? What about me tweet after? ah uh, <laughs> absolutely loved it dangling the carrot
3: and the it's so funny watching the interactions. I almost bet on that
1: I almost bet on that
3: well tell me why but no because I knew what you were doing what what What? I said it straight I said the number one team in the world have just beaten the All Blacks
1: yeah there's no, it. it's correct but very it's- true but
3: then what are you biting at then this is the thing this is the hilarious thing I've put it out there the one message the one comment that sticks out when the box play what's on the in front of them Instead of kicking the leather off it, they are hard to beat. Frank Jacobs, he knows when an expert puts a tweet out there in the public (laughs) domain. And that's the only one that I saw. But there was a bit of hate there. But I love South Africa. And this is the whole thing. I've seen a lot of lads and ladies out there passing judgment, passing opinion. A lot of professionals, players, saying that they don't like the way that South Africa play. Tins, Mike Tindall, he said something about it. I love it. I love the way that South Africa play. I'm a rugby purist. I'm a rugby genius. Did I say genius? You did. Um, (laughs) Genius. And Springboks should have, and if it wasn't for Luke Pearce's decision, beaten the All Blacks in the game before. So if they would have lost that game, Matt Carley, I would have been at, not like Luke Pearce, where Luke Pearce called the scrum advantage over with a kick. Matt Carley, in my opinion, made a couple of big, big decisions. Francois Staines rip at the end yeah uh, where he ripped the ball before the tackle was complete penalty which got them back in
0: touch and go touch and go
3: yeah I don't think it was touch and go his his knees weren't on the ground it wasn't touch and go I think it was definitely
1: definitely a genuine rip
0: oh Andy right no it's it's, it's a it's a genuine rip but it's where it's what he does it's where he's ripped it if you ripped it on the floor you can't do that so he was deemed so he was deemed that he thought he ripped it on the floor
3: but it isn't that one decision that, obviously, it's easy to say if someone misses a tackle or gives a penalty away at the end of the game, like that penalty for the, for, uh, for the All Blacks that gave South Africa the penalty to win the game in front of the sticks, that isn't the reason why the All Blacks lost the game. So it's easy to pick out individual decisions, obviously, yeah. the way the game maps out or whatever. But the thing is with the Springboks is the physicality, as we saw with the Lions. Uh, the kicking is almost like a 50-50. That ball goes up in the air. You know, you've know, you got Geordie Barrett, who, by, in my opinion... The genius is one of the best players in the world at the minute. Now, e- even for him, it's probably a fifty-fifty whether or not he's taking them high yeah. balls when Faf puts them. Up. Do, do you know what I mean? So I don't. I know that players and fans don't like the way the Springboks play, but the physicality—they actually opened up a little bit at the weekend against the All Blacks, and <laughs> the
0: best team in the world won. Yeah, they did. They did. And a couple of things: Lacanio Ams, round the back, offload for the first try. Yes. Just um, like he looks like the coolest dude ever. The way he plays, he never looks flustered, never sweats, never seems to be out of breath or anything.
3: He's Absolutely called... shredded. You see the pictures on social media yeah. going around.
0: Shredded. I bet he's hung like an absolute horse as well. I mean, <laughs> of course, without doubt, without doubt. <laughs> I'm telling you now, that the ball round the back to do that under that pressure when he's hardly... ball back. Yeah, he has a ball even back look. Yeah, flick round the back door. Unbelievable skill. and That obviously went to Nicosi, and then he hands it on to Diolande to score. Dwayne Vermeulen was ridiculous. I mean. Yeah he's monstrous isn't he he was just smashing boys carrying big Uh, great to see him back and you know uh, Ulster fans will look forward to seeing him pull on their jersey because he's uh, he's a monster he can go he can go you want someone to go he can go and then the whole time Jim when I'm watching it every time my pimpy comes in ma pimpy that's all I can think of just the old scream do it for us Jim Ma. There you go. Every time he's anywhere near it, I'm giving it big licks on that. So um, yeah, it was. listen, it was a hell of a test match, wasn't it? You know, number one in the world. That was on the line again. The All Blacks were going for six straight in the rugby championship and and to go unbeaten. And everyone's been criticising South Africa. But when you actually hear about what they've had to go through over the last... And it it makes you think of it. We're just judging the game at the weekend that we see on the box. You know, on on Stan Sport and Sky, whatever it is
3: good is stand sport, by the way. Yeah, it is. It is. Big shout yeah. out to Justin Harrison. I know our mate and friend of the show, Drew Mitchell, is involved in that. But oh, yeah. in terms of commentary, I Mertz. was
0: Mertz is really good, Andrew M- Mertz, is
3: Mertz. is class. Yeah. Absolutely class. But that's they've got the right people there, which from us watching on the other side of the world, and maybe the fans not watching it week in, week out, Southern Hemisphere rugby, I thought they did so well in terms of bringing yeah. character and
0: yeah, definitely. Whatever yeah, to yeah. the only downside, the only downside to it. It's not a downside, really. The only thing I will say, uh, Campo, who's on pitch side, just needs to tuck his collar in. Like he's always looks like he's scruffy. Sort yourself out, Campo. And we've been we've been on Hong Kong with him. He's probably he going round. He absolutely <laughs> hates it. Does play. he? Why? He's probably just going around and giving stickers out for his academy <laughs> for that he was doing in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, every time we're in Hong Kong, me and Goody uh, are hosting. Big shout out to Hong Kong as well. I'm just giving shout outs left, <laughs> right, and centre. 10 <laughs> pounds in the pot. First weekend of so April, 8 plus mate. on. Yeah. So we're always there with Campo, and I just apologise before he comes up. One, because when he played, it was in black and white TV and it was amateur <laughs> rugby. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, people are there to hear it, rugby stories. They don't want to hear about rugby camps, Campo's super skills or whatever it is. So he gets absolutely rinsed and he's looking at me. He's got, he knows I'm one of the greatest Scots, Scots to have ever done it,
1: but he ain't
0: feeling it anyway. So yeah, love you, Campo. You
1: Did you guys see Rossi celebrating at home in his pants and a few beers?
0: Oh, oh, my pants. I mean, fair play. Still got some legs on him. Like when you retire, Jim, your legs have disappeared and not that you had any anyway. Genetics. My God. Razzie's still got some quads on him when he wants them, but yeah, he just. He's got a couple of beers in the morning, very early morning in South Africa, and he's got his pants on on the sofa. I mean, who, who doesn't do that? The best bit about it, though, that's how he's dressed, yet yeah, he's got a video link straight into the coach's box on his laptop. So I, I was just expecting to see a bit of bush pop out the bottom, maybe sometimes when you just got your boxes on, the old boy pokes out. I, that's what I was hoping for, really. But he's he's got his laptop. He's watching the game. He's got his laptop, a direct video link into the coach's box. He? He's there in his... Yeah, he's there in his pants. What a legend.
1: Do you reckon he's controlling his water boy? Did you guys see the water boy?
0: You can't blame Razzie for everything. That was Jacques Nienaber saying, shouting at the water boy to leg it after the assistant referee or the whichever one it was to say it's a 50-22. So, and, and everyone's doing that, aren't they? Whenever there's a 50-22, people are all legging it, telling, shouting and telling everyone because it's a new law. That's what people do, right? Uh, but I don't but reckon... Goody,
3: just, just on his boxers, though. Who wears baggy boxers? <laughs> oh, like, no. like,
0: that's why I thought the bush might pop out or something. Or maybe he's just got a mega bush.
3: Maybe it's a South Africa thing. I always found that Australians wear pants. I mean, yeah. I, can't, I, I can't fathom wearing a pair of pants. Like, tell the wedgies that and tell the skid yeah. marks that. All I'm thinking there is Razzie's baggy boxers. No wonder he ain't got his jeans
1: on, because tell the chafe that. Do you know what I mean? They're wearing them. <laughs> Who wears baggy boxers? Let's get on to the premiership action then. Exeter. Are they back after they went away at Sale? Slady's back.
0: Stuart Oggs back Hoggy. as well. Yeah, Hoggy, Hoggy's back. Oggy was good, mate. Oggy was really good. Um, yeah, listen, they're always going to come back extra, weren't they? You know, we, we spoke about it last week, missing a few boys. They get Hoggy back in the team. Slady found some quality form again. You know, plays with the tightest of tight shorts and then even pulls them up when he kicks it goal. And he's got a lovely tan, hasn't he, Jim?
3: He looks great. He did. He had a bit of claret as well. Not that we want to enforce claret for people to look a bit hard and a bit edgy, but nonetheless, he looked hard and edgy Yeah, with a bit of claret. Yeah, I thought Exeter was really good. And actually, when you mention it, Andrew, and we've spoken about Exeter, some idiot said they wouldn't make the top four. Of all the places you want to go, having lost two games, it's probably not up to Sale. So, And the way that Sale play, I know that Sale got a red card. Oh, my Van Ransburg. What yeah. are you doing, mate? What yeah. are you doing, big fella? He's a big fella, so I don't want to say too much. But yeah, Exeter, are they back? It was a stuffy game. Um, what about Will Witty's try?
0: Mate, oh, it just made me think of you, Jim. Have you got that in your locker? Because he's gone off the left foot, off the right foot. He's Luke. won the race. <laughs> he's a good lad, Will Witty. I played with him up at Newcastle. Top boy. And, oh, mate, I was really pleased for him, actually, because people are just laughing, aren't they? He charges it down. And then when you see a big guy running after the ball, you're thinking... Mate, you're never gonna win the race. It's Mr. Gilmore's jacket. What is it? You're just getting ripped, aren't you? And everyone's just giggling. Whether you're watching it, whether you're on his team, the only panic is the sail boys. And then he had the touch of a touch of messy, basically, wouldn't it?
3: Like even if Brody Retallick or Jim Hamilton did that, it'd be the same. You, put, be hold like on a minute. This. Are you
0: putting yourself in the same <laughs> bracket as Brody Ritalic?
3: No, I'm putting myself in the <laughs> bracket of a tall athletic second row. <laughs> as in who could be perceived as quite slow but either way it's been laughed at so I don't think it's will witty we're laughing about it let's be honest it was an unbelievable finish it really was he's used both feet
0: as well just just to remind everyone he's used both feet in first touch I think was right foot second touch left foot and it took him away from the sail chasers mate it was class absolute class if he tried it again absolutely no chance of him doing it one foot left foot right foot kind of thing but it was mate it was absolute class and I'm really pleased for him
1: a couple of yellow cards and uh, to Bath, and a massive crowd at home for Bristol helped them get home in the West Country derby, didn't it? Oh, did not see, with all due respect to Bath, that performance coming, but hats
3: off to them. They played very well. There's a few talking points out of that game, Andrew. Were you the site and com- th- mate, you were the signing commissioner from that game, so we'll get on to that. Let me just talk <laughs> up Bath, because I thought they were really physical. I thought yeah. they played really well. Bristol... And all my semi, who's out now, as we know, for 16 weeks or whatever it is. We had big John F. on last week. Um, he knew. He knew that big semi weren't coming back, let's be <laughs> he honest. Did, he did. But he didn't tell us. He didn't tell us. But, um, Andrew, over to you. Because were you citing commissioner on Friday night? No, you? I reckon
0: I'd make a hell of a Twitter, citing commissioner. You were Twitter citing commissioner. Just Twitter reporting, mate. Um, and just give my opinion. And, again, some people come back at me. Absolutely trying to hammer me for just giving an opinion on the facts of rugby union, ladies and gentlemen. First and foremost, Ian Tempest. I mean, shave it, shave it yeah, off. Yeah, just, just shave the <laughs> head, mate. Just shave the head. I don't want to be too harsh. The first try, just that say Brist- it. Yeah, what, what happened? What did you see? The, the first try that Bristol score, mate, Carl Dixon must be either in the biscuit tin. and I know I eat a lot of biscuits for people that say that oh, he's having a massive poo because there was the clearest knock on by Harry Randall. And he's not even said anything. And then they score pretty much straight away. Stephen Luatua gets through and does the big wonder dive, the ash splash or whatever it was. Doesn't even check it for the knock-on. What are you doing? You've got one job. It's clear as day, Carl Dixon. What are you doing? Go back for it. Check it. Ridiculous. So Bath get done on that. Then a bit later, they score an unbelievable try. Bath to A Jomo, who I really like as a player, scores an unbelievable try. And Tempest blows up for a knock-on just as he blew it up before the... yeah he blew it before didn't he yeah it was it was a millisecond before he's put the ball down and I think the learning hour here as a referee just let the try be scored and then you can check it because there was mm. no knock on there it's a 14 point swing you know Bristol shouldn't have had their try that they were given Bath should have had one that was was disallowed because of a knock-on where there was no one anywhere near the ball being knocked on and then the try at the end and Jim this is your area of expertise. The driving mall, biggest crossing or obstruction you've ever seen in your life.
3: Yeah, it is. Thank you, thank you. The end. It it is, it is. But but this is the thing around ruggers, isn't it? There's so many of them things that you can pick up on, the little nuances, but you're right. The level of refereeing needs to be up with a level of play. Mm. And we can sit here and we can probably debate it all day long. A lot of the time it's not, but it's a difficult job to be a referee. Yeah, it is. Hence why you have the TMO, and this is the thing, Andrew. Maybe if we carry on talking about bushes and all that, this podcast will naturally come to its organic end. You know, it could <laughs> that could happen. But you listen to the commentators, and my point being is you're picking these things up. You listen to the very top end commentators. I think Brian O'Driscoll was he commentating on the one on Friday.
0: Yeah, but he missed he missed the the crossing for the line out.
3: Yeah, but he got the knock on though. But yeah, he yeah. got it on after 100%. after. And Austin's very good. And again, it's something that I've questioned whether or not it should be or shouldn't be the case, but I kind of think it should be, is that the TMO can hear the commentary and that almost influences them because obviously ex-players and high-end players pick up them things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The kind of little, little things that can influence a game. So- but I'll be,
0: I'll be honest, I did get corrected on that because I said it last season on our podcast around... The TMO can hear the live in-game commentary feed, but as soon as he is asked a question, or as soon as there's something where he buzzes in, they cut all the comms so he can't hear anything else.
3: Oh, so so, so as soon as he gets told, can you check that for me? Yeah, it switches off, does it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's okay. what I'm told. All right, that is what I'm yeah. told. So how he hasn't checked Carl Dixon the knock-on originally, because um, they picked up on that straight away, didn't they? That there was a knock-on, and then two phases later, Bristol score and the big one for me and the big learning and and you know as Pat Lam says you don't lose you learn don't blow the whistle up if there's a try going to be scored because we can check everything if you blow it up before he's put the ball down and it's literally that millisecond then and people are like oh it's a good strong decision you know he's backed himself well you can back yourself and make the wrong decision which he did um so I feel for bath they were they probably deserved to win I think and you know they didn't get the rub of the green Stuart Hooper you know he wasn't happy after the game was he he wasn't happy
3: yeah and rightly and rightly so
0: yeah, the scrum, I think they dominated, Bristol dominated Bath a bit, but he was questioning the legality of it all. Um, but for me, it's the three big decisions. The try to Bristol that shouldn't have been, the try to Bath that should have been, that wasn't, and then the the winning try from the most blatant crossing at the line-out you've ever seen in your life. So feel for Bath.
1: Wasn't the only place there were some big decisions. How did Leicester win that? 12-3 down, five minutes to play.
0: Huge Wowzers. win series. Yeah, massive. But good. But, yeah, I mean they've they found the bite again, haven't they? You know, you're hearing out of the camp that they have found a you know the fight inside the within the camp to come out and win these games. A couple of things, and I'll be very honest. I was delighted for Leicester. You know, I was there. The place was rocking. Yeah, you know, the corporate hostility was busy. The the, the Crumbie Terrace was loud again, and all that stuff. And it was like the Leicester of old. Did they deserve to win? Absolutely not. Saracens dominated the first sort of seventy five minutes, really in terms of the way they played, their game management, their kicking game, etc., etc. But, and we'll come on to the point at the end, because Saracen's got, I think, a hard done by as well at the end. And yes, I said it, James, you're looking at me in absolute shock, but...
3: No, no, I, I agree with you. But I the, agree on the on the Leicester thing with, with the bite, is that you've got to have the right tools to go to a street fight. And Leicester... I've now got that. And look, I know you, you, you've got a few more points, but I think from my perspective, Leicester and Saracens were the two bookends of my rugby career. Yeah, you know, Leicester. I've always said gave me an opportunity, gave me a life, and, and that style of rugby that they played. That is why I love watching that style now. And as we've spoken about a few a few times this season, albeit the third game in, is that Leicester have now got that. And they, did you see the camera angle that the Leicester Tigers social media team have obviously taken from the crowd perspective, from the Crumbie, where it was going around, they scored the try, and it was all the fans and stuff like that. It took you into the stadium, which, yeah. as we know, is a fantastic place to play. And uh, yeah, I, I felt a bit emotional for them. Yeah. Not just off that, but as in
0: everyone involved in the club of Leicester and the fans. Yeah. And you saw what it meant afterwards, like Genji and poor old Brett Deacon, your mate. Uh, he whiplash. Got, he got absolute whiplash when Genji's given him the biggest man hug you've ever seen. So, yeah, listen, if you're delving into the, the depths of the game, I think Mark McCall will be really frustrated with himself. They're in control of the game, 12-3 up. The weather conditions were horrible. Like I was there, atmosphere was unbelievable, but you couldn't play any rugby in it. And Brett Deakin said it in, I think, the in-game interview, it's better off. you're better off not having the ball in this, these situations. But it's about managing the territory, managing the field and managing your kicking game to exert pressure on the opposition. Saracen's had that in abundance, didn't they? Mark McCall will be frustrated. With himself. He took Faz off with 12 minutes to go. Didn't get it at all. As
3: the Leicester subs were yeah. just kind of coming on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So if Genge comes on, Van Portfleet comes on, oh, I thought Adam, uh, you know, uh, made a real difference. Freddie Stewart as well, but he took Farrell and off with 10, 12 minutes to go. And, Maybe he's looking back on it now and going, did I need to make those substitutions? You know, did I need to... Faz is the absolute leader and he's the perfect guy in those conditions as a 10 to run the ship to get used to 12-3. Maybe Mark McCall thought, oh, the game's done, I can just pull him off and, you know, we'll just carry on doing what we're doing. But hindsight, you know, Leicester obviously got the penalty to pull them back into losing bonus point range at 12-6. And then there is the big debate around what happened at the end. And without a shadow of a doubt, it is a penalty to Leicester for Alad Davis diving on Guy Porter and shoving him into touch once the tap, once he's on the floor. You can't do that. But, again, going back to the TMO and going back to uh, the referee, Christoph Ridley, who I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of the Saracens fans are, are very frustrated with, A, for this, what we're going to talk about now, but also, B, when he does give the penalty try, do you see him smiling? hmm did you see that, Jim?
1: I saw that. No, it didn't, Andrew. No, it didn't, Andrew. No. Yeah,
0: he's kind of smiling. And not looking kind of. there's
1: a massive grin. Yeah, it's a
0: big old grin that he's smiling and looking down, um, which I, d- I don't think is a great look. But what the TMO, and in all the excitement, he does the right thing to check it. It's the last play of the game. He thinks there's something up. He thinks there's something that's not quite right, so he checks it with a TMO. And Allied Davis flies in, and it is a penalty to Leicester. But what they don't check is what Dan Kelly does. Um, yes, he does. Forearms him on the floor. Yeah, in Is that what he's been cited for? Is that yeah. what he's been cited for? It yeah. is. Yeah. So he, he what, what, yeah. what happens is, obviously Dan Kelly sees it, he's raging, thinks the game's lost, and then flies in and shoulder to the head of Alad Davis when he's prone lying on the floor. And then, so you've gone, right, the initial penalty would have been to Leicester for what Alad Davis did, but we turned it round because... Dan Kelly, you shouldered someone on the edge, and then apparently Faz after the game, and I didn't see it because I was back in the corporate side of it, has chased the referee, is shouting at him on the field and all this stuff about so, that about that decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, that, that's yeah. the thing because I was going to do an Andrew Good, and I was going to rewind, rewind, and video it and put it on social, but I didn't want to do that. Uh, Dan Kelly's agent is my agent, and he's a good lad as well and a good yeah. player. But I I picked that up and thought. How has that not been checked? But yeah. because I am not a rugby sighting officer, nor wannabe Goody, uh, I didn't maybe, put it on. Maybe, but yeah, maybe there's, maybe there's
0: up. a job there for me, isn't there?
3: I, I don't think maybe. I think you are absolutely <laughs> the right man to do that. Jim, what's the story with the Saracens takeover? That's what it is. It's a takeover. Um, not controversial, in my opinion. I've seen a few things today. The thing, And the reason why I say that, do you know the reason why I say that line, I sound coy, is because the game at the weekend, obviously Saracens versus Leicester, at the end of the game, the camera pans up and Nigel Ray's there. And it's, all the talk is around Nigel Ray now just being a fan of Saracens, but that camera made it as if nothing had changed. Do you get what I mean when you look at it in that sense? But yeah, Saracens now sold 30 million.
0: 32, 32.
3: Which is, I said it's 2 mil, dude. It's 2 mil, (laughs) mate. Yeah, it's peanuts in your household. Um, But the interesting thing for me is the value of the club and the fact that there is people out there that are still interested to invest in rugby. Saracens are a really interesting club when you look at it from the outside. They don't have a huge fan base, they're a very successful club, as we know. They've got tarred history, as we know, with the Saracen scandal. But for me, if there was any club that was sellable and room for growth commercially, it's Saracens. North London club, they've got their own stadium, which has got huge opportunity for growth. Hasn't got their own training ground yet. You've got some of the highest profile players in the league. And I genuinely think this, when you look at the media narrative and you look at the interest in Saracens, there is a pantomime villain part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think everyone can agree that European rugby looks significantly better with the Saracens team in it.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at it, um, there's actually this new takeover. So there's a lot of Saracens DNA within the new consortium that's taken over. And first and foremost, around Nigel Ray, people think he sold the club and that's it, and he's just a fan. He's not, because he's still got, in his words, a significant minority in terms of the the shareholding. So Lucy Ray is still going to be CEO. So he's got a, a significant minority, but albeit a passive one, was the words that he used, and he's he's put his heart and soul into the club. So you can only tip the slipper to him. For me, it's great to see him back. You know, the Premiership is a better league with them in it. People want to watch Saracens play and sit You know, for for all the success they've had. You know, It's the same when Leicester had all the success that they had. Other teams wanted to watch Leicester play because they wanted to see them beat. No one wants to see one team win everything all the time because it becomes boring.
3: But I also think on that, Goody, is around the salary cap. And you, you just said about a team winning all the time. I think the salary cap situation that happened with Saracens has pulled the wind out the sails of rugby in terms of investment into the game, in terms of controlling how much players get paid, I am all for players getting overpaid and finding ways to do that. And I say that because for the growth of the game, I say that for the for the, for the the growth and the financial reward and the commercialisation of this game. Yeah. That's I, what I, I think.
0: I, I understand your point, but when you say the growth of the game... Do you agree? Reason, no, I don't. Because you actually, you can flip that and go, well, actually, you could bankrupt the game. By carrying on that way, you're relying on... But
3: look at football.
0: But that's different. Football's very different, mate, because the tv deals basically football there's so much money in football now because of the tv deals around the world so the premier league
3: but but that started that started 20 years ago do you know what i mean so that that momentum started 20 years ago you know when vinnie jones and these lads were playing and probably not getting paid the money
0: you're not comparing apples with apples there you're comparing apples with oranges because football in every country in the world people play football it's the biggest sport on our planet without a
3: shadow of a doubt. So you can't compare that to rugby. Yeah, but I'm sitting till we die. I know, mate. We're
0: third in in the the Jampo, mate.
3: I know. One at the weekend. I'm looking at it from a minuscule level in terms of rugby arguably, arguably being on the cusp of a tier one, tier two sport. That's how I'm looking at it in terms of the growth. It feels like now the investment in the game, in players, the amount of players last season that we're having to back up because the squad depths weren't there, the amount of rugby that's being played, more rugby being played, how difficult it is to consume the team along across all the broadcast rights and, and platforms. We can have this chat another time. Yeah, but, I get it. Uh, yeah. I get it.
0: But the biggest word, the biggest word and it's not the biggest word in terms of the long number of letters. The word that's used the most across the world at the minute is sustainability. Rugby wasn't sustainable the way it was carrying on with clubs spending what they haven't got. So what they've tried to do is rein it back in a little bit so it becomes sustainable. So then you can grow it off the back of it because if it had carried on the way it was, we'd have lost three or four or five clubs in the premiership without a shadow of a doubt. And then you've got a much weaker league and you've got no chance of growing the game. So it's a balance. I get it. It's a balance though.
1: And Northampton are three from three after they win over London Irish. What'd you make of that game?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we've got to remember the weather was atrocious uh, across most of the games this weekend. And, um, Saints actually flew out the blocks went 17 nil up I think Proctor scored a try for a lovely little kick through and they were flying but then Irish do what Irish have done at the start of the Premiership and have come back into it when they've gifted a 17-point lead not gifted but you know gone behind 17 nil down and fought their way back into the game and actually looked the better team in the second half got themselves into the lead uh, Parton scored a, a decent try some good hands and then towards the Albert Tuisui people say it's a head but people say it was just a coming together of two foreheads Alex Waller was just going around trying to wind people up to get a penalty <laughs> me on blowbags a
3: coming together a coming together of two foreheads I thought yeah. we were going to say something else
0: then <laughs> yeah but, there um, we go yeah. Um, and yeah Alex Waller was, was sort of winding people up grabbing and it's all this hard thing isn't it the fake hard man of everyone stop,
3: don't say hard stop
0: saying that. well it's <laughs> the fake hard man everyone thinks no one can throw a punch anymore and then Albert Tuisui so grabs him and the foreheads came together very gently, but it is a penalty. You can't do that. He instigated just touching foreheads and, you know. <laughs> Can you say something? Else? Can you say it? Like, say foreskin. Just Fore- say foreskin <laughs> once. <laughs> Jim, I don't think they touched foreskins. It was foreheads. I don't either. I don't either. But I don't, when,
3: when, when I think a coming together of four, that word just wants to slip off the tongue.
0: <laughs> yeah. So how, how mature are we? Yeah. And listen, it, it'll be frustrated with himself but Irish still had a couple of chances to win it uh, you know Paddy Jackson goes to the drop goal obviously there was the big debate around Courtney Laws' tackle was it no arms I thought that was fine Paddy Jackson I mean I've, I've hit worse drop goals than that Paddy so don't worry about it difficult conditions but they checked Courtney Laws' tackle and, and I think it's the right decision that it wasn't an illegal no arms tackle he was trying to wrap but it was the right thing to do to check it especially at the end of the game where you know the the result is on the line
2: See HomeDepot.com slash delivery for details. Life is a highway, and on it there
0: will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: Well, speaking of Northampton's win over London Irish, we're going to have a chat now with a man who was right at the heart of the action in the dying stages of that one. Saints, England and British and Irish Lions forward, Courtney Laws joins us. How are you, mate?
4: Yeah, very well. Thank you very well.
3: Courtney, class to have you on. Uh, I know we spoke, I mean, it feels like five years ago, but during COVID, a lot's happened in your life since then. Not a lot's happened since with mine, I'm still on Zoom. We're still doing it remotely. <laughs> um, yeah, I, but watching it, I feel as if I've been a part of it. Uh, Courtney, let's just start with the obvious thing uh, around the weekend. You're damned if you go high, you're damned if you go low. Was it squeaky bum time at the weekend? I watched your tackle back, actually. When I, saw, I watched it, I didn't think no arms. I thought it was a good tackle, but you can yeah. obviously hear, I don't know if you can hear the interaction between the ref and the TMO as that's going on. You probably can't, but were you worried when you when you made the tackle?
4: Uh, no, I... <clears throat> I mean, I looked at it because I went, I went to wrap my arm and then my arm kind of gets knocked down. Um, and as soon as I feel that happen, I just know that I've got to get it through. Otherwise, I'll probably get pinged. But my arm's out. I'm not I'm not shoulder-charging or anything like that. So I knew I was, well, it's, I suppose it's down to interpretation nowadays, but that would have been a soft penalty if, if it only got called, I think.
0: And what, one thing for you, Courtney, I mean, people are debating all these high tackles 24 seven now and, and how the game's changed with uh, everything like that. And people use you as an example of someone that's out all a it just being just bigger than you, Jim, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're the prime example of how a big, big tall guy at six, seven can get down and smash boys low with good technique. And, uh, how is it for you with this whole tackle change and, and the emphasis around going much lower? Because you, you seem to be fine with everything, right?
4: Um, yeah, I think um, for the most part, I got sighted I um, at the end of, God, 2026 Nations or something. Um, but I got off for that because if people duck into you, essentially, you can sometimes end up making contact with the head. Uh, but i haven't I haven't honestly changed my tackle technique since you know since the the laws have been changed because I've always I've always gone depending on who I'm tackling and what kind of tackle it is I've always gone pretty low um and I've always been able to get my body height down and that's that's how i how I kind of get my power through and make and make my hits naturally anyway so I, I haven't had to change much for And
3: what do you think about it Courtney we're not here to open you up but uh, goody's question there there's obviously a lot of talk around like almost takes the sting out of the game a little bit, no pun intended. So obviously you make that tackle at the end of the game, Paddy Jackson goes for the drop goal, but we've seen the game stops at a halt where there's either a no arms tackle, but generally because there's a high tackle. Like how is it as a player being involved in that? I mean, it changed just as I I retired, thankfully because I was probably one of the highest, not hardest tacklers in, <laughs> in, in world rugby. But is it frustrating as a player when you're going through, they're going through the framework or do you feel like now they've managed to kind of
4: get the right balance of, of making the right decisions? Um, I'm a bit split on it because I, I completely understand why. Uh, and I think it is important um, to take player safety and, um, and and try and try and make the game, especially around, around brain damage and stuff, try and make it safer. But at the same time, people make mistakes. Yeah, I know, I know that they're obviously trying to, they're trying to stop people from, from making these kind of mistakes, but it's a game of rugby and, um, and things happen. And sometimes it's a split, not even decision. It's just uh, somebody can drop before you know it and you end up making contact with a head or, you know, things can just happen. And then you end up with a, you know, six week, four week ban or whatever. Um, and if it's your first time you've done it. I think that's pretty hard. But I understand why they're doing it. They want to. They want to take head contact out of the game, um, and for good reason, honestly. Um, but I, th- I think, especially for like first-time offenders and people that have clearly just got it slightly wrong, um, you don't have to be so harsh on them.
0: No, certainly not. Um, let's talk positive then. Let's talk about the start that Saints have had to the season. Three from three. Um, really good place at the minute. I know, Boydie said after the game at the weekend it was a bit of a get out of jail free card um, that you boys played but the Premiership's so close and loads of games that are going to go one way or the other and really tight games but you boys are flying at the minute. Uh,
4: yeah I mean we're playing pretty crap but <laughs> we, yeah, we're <laughs> winning. Uh, no no honest, honest if I'm honest we, we've gotten quite lucky and there's only so long we can continue to do this uh, before it catches up with, it, with us but the positive thing about it is, we have the talent in absolute spades. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that we can be the best team in the league if we can put um, our game plan together consistently um, throughout the 80 minutes. Um, and you see glimpses of it. Uh, we're, you know, we're we're so hard to stop. Um, we've got great D at times. Um, it's just putting it together and making sure it's the consistency thing for us, and it has been for the last few years. But um, yeah, that's what we need to
0: get right. Let's talk British and Irish Lions now because, you know, you were one of the star players on the tour for me. Um, you're obviously in the Test Series as well. Disappointing. How was the tour for you? Did you kind of expect to go on it or was it a, a bit of a Brucey bonus? I know that there's been a few injuries previously, but first and foremost, there was a bit of drama around the call-up as well, wasn't there? Because someone had your wrong email address. <laughs> yeah,
4: something like that. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, well, a few, a, few, um, yeah, a few emails got sent about, didn't they? Um, but to loads of people. Um, and I I as far as I know, I didn't get one. So <laughs> so I was kind of thinking, well, that either, that either means that I'm nowhere near the squad because there was a lot of people that are kind of if them, and them and, if and and button and if they were gonna get in, or I'm I'm in, do you know what I mean? It was a kind of save the date thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I was kind of thinking I can't be that far away, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Even though I hadn't played. But yeah, I guess. I hadn't played at all. I think I played two games for Saints and um, a game off the bench and a starting game against Italy, for I got injured again um, and I wasn't back fit before the, the Lions team got picked. So obviously I wasn't too confident in my chances, but I, I kind of knew playing South Africa and my experience that you know, there, there was there was always a
3: chance. But I know we're going overall ground here, but there was, yeah. there's been a lot a lot of talk after as well. And obviously we we'll probably need to talk about that as well around Ian Henderson's interviews, not specifically about you, but around, like you just said, players going into the tour, arguably not on form or injured and Gatlin going with his favourites. In that first test, you were sensational. The game obviously opened up for you, got a few good carries, got a few, a few big collisions you're up against one of the greats in terms of a player that's transcended the game in, in Sia Khaleesi. Uh how much pressure going into that first test and you look back on the way that the tour unfolded as well.
4: How much pressure? I didn't I didn't feel I didn't feel too much pressure like I, I'm getting I'm getting on a bit now, you know what I mean? So <laughs> um I was quite I was just thankful to um, be given the opportunity to to play to start and and to be able to play um you know, a Lions test so I, I think I wasn't feeling too much pressure. Obviously, there was a bit of nerves and stuff, but I was quite excited to get out of there and play. And I knew that I couldn't perform um, at that level. So uh, I, I didn't have—I didn't feel like I had too much to worry about.
0: And then off the back of it, obviously winning the first test, um, frustrations must have been pretty high after the, the third test uh, and losing the game, which could have gone either way, as could the second test at times. But um, were there, what, what was the feeling in the camp? Was there regrets about how you could have played differently or was it more a case of, you know, we were just beaten by the better team on, you know, the last two tests? I
4: mean, I think personally, uh, yeah, of course we, I think we should have won it. I think it was there for the taking, but rugby can, rugby can happen like that. And especially that last test, it was, it was on it was a flip of the coin, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a couple of decisions, um, a couple of balls bouncing either way. And, and that game's a completely different game. So you know, obviously we we're, were disappointed, but again, I, I was I was happy for the chance to to be there and to go and, and give everything I, everything I had, and I, I thought that's what I did. So, yeah, I, I wasn't too disappointed personally, but obviously as a team, it, it was disappointing to lose.
3: Yeah, absolutely, courtly But when you hear other players come out and bag the way that the Lions played or should have played. And again, I don't know how much of the media you see and, and the stick that South Africa are getting because they kick the ball and the way that the Lions games were played. I mean, I, I loved it, you know, but everyone's expecting that every game should be like the All Blacks are playing against France, like this style of rugby. Like, does that annoy you? Like, you've obviously been on a few tours now. You've got a good standing in the game. You play for a team, Northampton, that play a lot of rugby. You understand test match rugby and you also understand what it t- takes to beat South Africa. Does it frustrate you when you hear and read these things oh we should have done this we should have played more you know with players coming out and saying that
4: mm. I mean I, I don't to be honest I don't I don't pay too much attention to that kind of stuff I, I rarely read um, you know rugby news any kind of rugby news because people you know everyone's got an opinion so and everyone's opinion is different so you know give your opinion if people want to hear it that's that's absolutely fine no, no bother with me uh, but it's going to go straight over my head regardless of what it is
1: What's your opinion on the on the way that South Africa play? Because everyone's got one.
4: They play for their strengths. There you so go. What, what what more can you you know can you ask from them? They're a big team. They want a slow game. They want to kick the ball and they want you to knock it on so they can scrum you. And <laughs> then they want to kick. The touch. Amen. And then they want to maul you. But, and that's the game plan. So if you let them, if they, if you let them do it, they're going to beat you. Um, and it's up to you um, as a team to 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 change that game.
0: I love that. You say they want to scrum you and then they kick it to touch and then they want to maul you. That that sounds like a team yeah. that you you go pretty well in, Courtney, eh?
4: <laughs> I don't like mauling or scrumming. No, no, no. Um, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm happy anyway, mate, being on the pitch.
0: Uh, let's chat about England then, obviously. You know, you said it yourself earlier, you're knocking on a bit. You don't look like you're knocking on a bit when you're actually playing. I know you've had a couple of injuries that um, have kept you out, but... When you're on the field, you're given absolutely everything and you're still going around banging boys like you're 21 years of age. Is the 2023 World Cup, is that kind of on the horizon for you as as something that is, you're really aiming for as as potentially the last big hurrah? I don't want to retire you too early, but it's certainly something that everyone expects, Courtney Lewis, to be part of that World Cup squad.
4: Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, I, I honestly don't feel, even though I'm, I'm getting, getting on a bit, I, I feel like I'm still improving. Um, I still feel like I've got um, a bit left to give. Um, and I think I think that's important. And I 100% want to make it to the World Cup. Um, and, I and I want to be playing my best rugby when I get there, to be honest.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And what about away from the pitch, Courtney? Like I mentioned earlier, we, we had a bit of a chat during lockdown over Zoom. And I think it's great. We, we, we're hearing more players with opinions. We're seeing more players in the media showing... Uh, the characters, obviously Genji doing his thing um, in po- podcasts and the media world, but captain in Leicester, obviously, Marla does his thing. Um, you know, again, when we spoke, been really intrigued by how much you've put yourself out there uh, with some of your opinions. Is the media in this kind of world that we seem to think that we're in, Goody <laughs> is a world that you want to enter in with your profile and, and your your opinions and your views on the world and life after rugby? Are you going to try and tie the two together or is it head down and wait and see what happens
4: uh yeah for the minute it's definitely head down wait and see what happens I mean I've kind of yeah i got in the mix for a bit there and then I was like I ain't got time uh to be uh, sitting on Twitter all day <laughs> <laughs> I've got four kids mate <laughs> Do you know what I mean yeah. Mrs is pulling the hair out so I was like yeah I literally haven't got time to be arguing with numpties on Twitter all day so um yeah maybe when the kids are a bit older and they don't need so much attention and that then i I might get back into it but for the minute I'm I've just got no time, no time for it. It's a good way to be, mate.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Um, You've done some work uh, with the Centre for Social Justice as well, uh, the Think Tank, and, you know, you're pretty strong on your views. How's all that gone, and is that something that you obviously want to grow as, you know, time goes on? And you said you're a father of four. They set an example for the kids and being, you know, obviously backing your own ideas. How important is that to you?
4: Yeah, definitely. But it's very important to me, and I'll I'll continue to work with them um, kind of in the background i just basically help um you know push anything um i agree with that they're doing uh, or giving my opinions on things that that they want to they want to talk about yeah and, and just just helping out helping out in general yeah very keen to do my bit for uh especially my northampton community and stuff um as my as my career comes to an end and i'll and I get less busy so yeah mate it's, it's exciting and I, I i look forward to working with a lot of people and helping young people especially um uh, you know, maybe change their outlook on life and and and, and help them uh, push them forward.
0: Nice. And last question for me, uh, what's the wheels you're driving at the minute? I love hearing about boys driving different cars. I've heard a nice rumor about yours, mate. Talk, talk <laughs> to me.
4: Uh, I've got a Bentley. There we go. (laughs) The contrast
3: at 33 at Saracens. I don't know if the, the masses have told you. My last car was a Ford Mondeo, aka the Ford Mondingo. So that was me. That
1: was me trying to stay humble. But I would have much preferred a Bentley. Good on you. There you go, what a legend. All right, Courtney, thank you very much for coming on the show. Best of luck for the rest of the season, the Autumn Internationals and 2023. Hopefully we see you playing your best rugby in in France in a couple of years, mate. Awesome, mate.
4: Cheers. Much appreciated.
0: Cheers, Courts. Class, Courtney. Thanks, thanks, for,
1: thanks for coming on, mate. Thanks, man. No worries,
4: guys.
3: Take
0: care. Top, Top lad. Yeah. He's hard as well. In your prime, Jim, against Courtney Laws. Who's winning the street fight there?
3: Well, there's different types of hard, <laughs> isn't
0: there? Go on. It, it,
3: He's driving a Bentley, and I'm driving a Ford Mondeo. (laughs) All I'm saying is when you get that comfortable, do you really, really want to win that street fight? (laughs) Probably not, is what I'm saying. If you're scraping the barrel like my good self, Jim Hamilton... You're fighting for your life, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? But no, um, I watched him hitting players when he came on. And that's the thing. It, he's always, he did hit a bit high. He hit scrum halves and stuff like that, uh, which obviously, which you could do. And you were obviously blitzing them, blindsiding them. And that was his thing. But I think the way he involved his game over the last four or five years, uh, in terms of his tackle technique, his forward shots, um, the way that he was carrying the ball, may deserved to be on the Lions tour and yeah. you know he's a lovely dad as well I spoke to him I don't know if I mentioned it uh during Covid uh, and lockdown there so I like the fact that he puts himself out out there he's obviously made a tactile conscious move to not put himself out there as much but we want to hear what Courtney Laws is saying yeah you know what I mean if, if yeah. Courtney speaks well, we listen and we I do listen. listen
0: yeah I think everyone should listen as well he's a you know he's a tough boy that you know he's had a hell of a career and you know he's 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 very grounded, even though he's got a Bentley, he's very grounded in where he's come from, what he's done, what he's achieved, and his outlook on the world. So uh, yeah, top bloke, really top bloke.
1: Well, before we move on from Northampton, we need to give a shout out to England's women who are heading to Cinch Stadium at Franklin Gardens this autumn. They'll be facing New Zealand as part of their Autumn International Series on Sunday, November the 7th. Tickets are on sale and starting at 15 quid for adults and five quid for juniors. Visit northamptonsaints.co.uk forward slash Red Roses to buy your tickets now. Let's round up the rest of the Premiership action now then. Well, it wasn't the best game, was it? Uh, Newcastle Wasps?
0: Uh, No. Again, if there's any place that you don't want to go to when the weather's abysmal, um, it's up in Newcastle, uh, Kingston Park. It was a a real scrappy game. Uh, There was a a contentious red card. Tom Penny, which Dean Richards has gone pretty wild about in the press. Jimmy Gopper's holding his leg in a ruck. He's trying to force his way off. Uh, Jimmy Gofforth so by pushing him, he's pushed him three or four times, and the last time he's pushed him, he's ended up pushing him in the face, and a finger's gone in, in his eye. So um, he gets sent off for that. If you're holding someone in a rock when they're trying to get out, for me, I think the way you get rid of that is just yellow card that person. So stamp on. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that, Jim. So the initial penalty, the initial instigator is Jimmy Gofforth holding Tom Penny on the floor when he's trying to get out. And yeah, there's that little uh, horrible niggle in the game, isn't there? So, what they should
3: on- do with that, then no, they should what the, the, look not stamping, but the scars on my hands of when you're holding people in if you get six studs old school on the upside of your hand with a rotation. It ain't nice. It ain't <laughs> no. nice. No. Maybe that's the only thing they should bring back, is just allowing that. The rotation of six studs on another man's or another human being's hand.
0: And then that will stop. No, I don't think that's the case. Jim. No, they might not. No, they might not do it, yeah. You know, there's there a question around whether Viper Fetus should have got sent off uh, for a high shot. Um, <laughs> I'm loving I'm loving this. <laughs> you know, it was a weekend of drama, wasn't it? But then uh, Wasps will be kicking themselves, literally, and Dan Robson... Uh, who is a wonderful player? We've talked to him up hell of a lot on the podcast, but unfortunately, when you've had the shocker that he's had with a minute to go, you've got to, you've got to mention it. Wasps were winning the game a minute to go. They're in Newcastle's 22, and they've got a turnover, so they're in the 22. All they've got to do is play out about 60 seconds. So set a pod up, picking you. Stay legal, boot the ball out. You win the game. You're going back from the cold northeast back to Wasps back to Coventry, back to your luxurious home just overlooking the Coventry Canal with four points in the bag. No, 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 no. For some reason, Dan Robson gets the ball from the bottom of the rock, fires out a 20-metre pass to Jacob Umaga around his feet. He doesn't really control it or anything. Newcastle pick it up, go the length, three or four phases later, Callum chicks through and scores a winning try. So, Wasps only got themselves to blame for for that. But it was a horrible, scrappy game. And, you know... To me, Newcastle won, and I play for Newcastle as well, so that's okay.
1: Jim, you would have been pretty happy to see Adam Hastings pulling the strings, playing a blinder for Gloucester at Worcester.
3: Not only because the Timberland boot is up for grabs (laughs) (laughs) in a few weeks' time. Boots. Two boots. A boot. I said boot. I'm sure I said boot. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll we'll see where it goes. Uh, Yeah, I'm happy for Gloucester. Under a lot of pressure going into that third game, having lost two games, Back-to-back. We said at the beginning of the season that Gloucester had a tough run with Northampton first up and then Leicester at home. Uh, They played well against Leicester last week uh, in terms of physically they were in the game. So they were under huge pressure going to Worcester. They got some of the boys back in terms of Chris Harris who came on, scored a try. Thought Woodward looked awesome at 15. he was great. Uh, Adam Hastings. Is he the answer? To take Gloucester up, obviously having lost Cipriani, I'm a big fan of his. Played really. He's just well. leaned up. He did play really well. He's yeah. just leaned up. So I'm looking at. It, I'm like, he's a lot smaller than he was, but he looks unbelievable on Instagram. So I don't know <laughs> what's what, but from a Gloucester perspective, that's normally bogey monsters going to Worcester local derby, must win game normally for Worcester because out of all the derbies, if you look at the southwest teams, Bath, Bristol's, Exeter. Gloucester's obviously the closest, but also the one which Worcester in recent years have won that game. So yeah. in terms of the context of the season and
0: my season, it was uh, great to see Gloucester get a win. It's a tale of the two fly halves for me. Uh, obviously, Hastings starting his first game in the Premiership for Gloucester, played exceptionally well. Unfortunately for Owen Williams, who we've talked up, I think he's a really good player. He got injured early on. I think he snapped his hamstring pretty badly by the sounds of it. Uh, kicking at goal. He, he's um, not had luck, I he? No. And he you know he's 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 gonna, was gonna be or is gonna be the guy that is a real fulcrum for Worcester's attack um and leadership and he goes off. Obviously Adam Hastings, his first start he was immense. Woodward was great and, and then Ted Hill get sent off towards the end. But it was it was I think it was twelve nine to Gloucester with about twenty minutes to go and you've lost your main ten. Um Billy Searle got Simbind for Worcester and Gloucester turned the screw. A couple of good tries from Kicks. Woodward, ridiculously good. So, yeah, there's a lot of Gloucester fans coming at me on social media for saying they're going to finish bottom. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased they got the victory.
1: Well, shall well, we move on? Should we take a break from the code and play a little game? Guess the go at it. Please. Oh, yes. Please. Yes. Whose go is it?
0: It's my mine, go. It? No, it's my go this week. It was yours last week because then I guessed Andy Goo, Gu, didn't I? Because Andy Rowe actually Oh, <laughs> his, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's controversial. Yeah. Well, you you went, it's controversial. I'm like, oh, controversial. People call me the go-out. I've had it on my Instagram today. People call me the go-out just because I went to a spin class. But hey, that's just life. That's just life.
3: I think now, Andrew, that this is going to be one of the easiest ones. I'm looking really? at Andy Rowe. I, I, I'm just thinking he's hes panicking because of last <laughs> yeah, week. He's panicking. So I think I've got it. I think I've got it before it's even started. Okay. Uh, let, what I'll do is let
1: me write it down, who I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go.
0: Tom Brady. No. Oh, okay. Uh, Mail. <laughs> yes. Uh, football. No. Rugby union. No. Cricket. No. NFL. No. Why are you looking Bo- down? Boxing. No. F1. Oh, no. Golf. No. Jesus. Uh, NBA. Yes. Oh, NBA. Uh, LeBron James. No. Oh. Uh, what do you mean LeBron uh, James? Shaquille O'Neal. No. Yes, I've got it.
1: I've got it, I've got it. Black Mamba. Wow, wow, wee.
3: How have you not got the greatest of all times? It best be, who I'm about to say. It's frightening because I'm there. As soon as he says it, I'm thinking, and I've got a checklist in my mind, Andrew. Anyway, how do you feel? It's not about me, it's about you at the minute. Well,
0: if it's not the Black Mamba, then I don't know who it can be. It's, it's Michael Jordan. It's Michael Jordan. Oh, I didn't even think. Didn't even think about it. What, what do you mean? Like, as in, the greatest of all time. Yeah, the go I don't know. I didn't even think. I haven't watched that. I'm not into basketball, so.
1: I literally uh, Googled greatest sportsman of all time just so there could be no arguments today. Yeah. And that, that came I didn't out, even think. So. Didn't
0: even think. There we go. Jim, what did you write down? tyson fury oh there we go <laughs>
3: but that isn't my answer my answer is michael jordan yeah, i bloody love this game well it is done, so much Jim. easier on the other foot but like, is, i love it? how you have prepped by
0: writing different sports down I had, to, <laughs> mate, I, this week. I had to write sports down because i'm like oh it is the panic isn't it but basketball i made basketball that ain't me most other but sports
3: it's, it's, not, it's not even basketball. I don't watch
1: basketball, but he's the greatest sportsman of all time. He is He is in that. Well, let's dial it back to the URC. Jim, what's been going on, mate? Glasgow, big win for them. Well, both of Scotland teams are playing very well. Uh, but if we start on Glasgow... Hold on. Again,
0: Edinburgh well, got hosed by Benetton. Carry an, on, Jim. Well, <laughs> an 85th minute drop goal
3: by an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid. Glasgow, fair play to them. Beat the Sharks at home and... I think they had the bonus point before half time. Either way, they look
0: comfortable. Let's just clear it up. It was the Sharks' fourth team, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
3: Well, this is the odd thing about it, Goody, because all the hysteria around the URC has been around the South African franchises yeah. coming in, and and you look at the, you know, you look at their two. They're all big teams. The Stormers got hammered in Munster. Yeah, uh, the Sharks we're just chatting about Glasgow. There got well beat. You know, they did get hammered. I mean, if Glasgow didn't take the foot off the the pedal, it could have arguably been more. But
0: But the Bulls got spanked in Connacht?
3: That's what I mean. So it's tough and they're in the bubble and it's new to them, new competition. Like Goody said, they're not full noise with their players. When will they have all the Springboks available? Well, this is the big chat around the URC and the excitement around the South African teams because the autumn tests are up
0: next, aren't they? Yeah. So... They ain't playing until January, yeah. And then they might need to be rested. Well, and that's the there's... thing. So, so if you think about the tale of a South African rugby player that plays for any of these provinces, normally they their end of season is the autumn internationals, isn't it? Mm. And then mm. normally Super Rugby doesn't start till the end of Jan. So I don't think they, these South African players will be playing in the URC, the internationals, until the end of Jan, really, because they'll have to give them a break. They've they've had such an intense. Six months really haven't they with the Lions, then the Rugby Championship? Last thing they want to do is go and play the Dragons away at Rodney Parade or whatever it's called now today on a wet Friday night in Wales. All you're thinking about is the night out in Cardiff, to be honest.
3: L of a night, but yeah, L of a night, but it's with the travel as well, isn't it? Like we just yeah. spoken about there. But if you look at the Connor scoreline on Friday, no disrespect to Connor, it's a tough place to go and play in Galway at any time of the year, but a- L of a night, the night balls, out there, there. I mean, the night out, I mean. You're talking about goats? so that would be in the top three or four. <laughs> exactly. But 34 points to seven is an absolute slipper. And it's not 50, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You're talking about Glasgow, very good. And Edinburgh, fair play to Benetton. A, a drop goal by Leonardo Mourinho um, at the end. And Benetton win it. But there's some exciting games that matter in the, in the championship. I mean, Where? poor Newport newport went Dragons, mate, against Leicester. That mattered. <laughs> that mattered to Luke Narrowway, the recycler.
0: And just talking to all our South African listeners here, you're going to see Dwayne Vermeulen pull on an Ulster jersey way before you see any of the South Africans play for any of their provinces, so he'll be earning his massive coin over here pretty quickly, I think.
1: All right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: Yeah, a few bits of good this week. Uh, we're going to start off in France, and I mentioned them last week. Toulouse roll on. They're five from five after beating Beirits at the weekend. Uh, so tip the slipper to them. Connacht are going to get a mention over in Ireland. Uh, they hammered the Bulls, as we just spoke, about 34 points to seven. Uh, big shout out to those boys. Uh, Benetton. Jim mentioned it. They absolutely dominated. Hashtag always Edinburgh. 28 points to 27. Uh, They're actually two from two Benetons. That's why they're in the good. Uh, They didn't dominate always Edinburgh, but they beat them. And fair play to Leonardo Marine, uh, 19-year-old who dropped the goal to win it for Benetton. So hashtag always Edinburgh come back to Scotland with their tails between their legs, James. Bring back cockers.
3: Leonardo Marine. Let's say O. I like the O at the end. Yeah. Bring back... Bring Mm. back
0: cockers. That's all I'm saying. What else is good? Ben Moon. Played his 200th Premiership game at the weekend for Exeter Chiefs, Uh, so a massive shout-out to him. We'll stay in the Exeter bubble. Not that they're in a bubble, but we'll stay with Exeter Chiefs, Chief Chiefs, because Will Whitty's got to get a mention for that skill. The charge down, the chase, the hack on with the right, the hack on with the left. The dribble was unbelievable. Lionel Messi-esque, so Will Whitty gets a mention in the good this week. That was the game clincher for Exeter, so well done to him. Uh, we're going to go further up north now, and we're going to go to Newcastle. Callum Chick of the Falcons. Uh, it was a scrappy game, horrible game. Uh, he scored the winner at the end, but he made over 100 metres ball in hand, James. We mentioned them earlier, Saints and Leicester Tigers, both three from three. Leicester top of the league, Saints as well, three games, three victories, so big shout out to those boys. Uh, Adam Hastings gets his first start for Gloucester. And dominates for the Cherry and Whites to lead them to their first victory of the season. So, well done to Adam Hastings. Uh, what else was good? Two bits, both from South Africa. First bit, Lucan What an offload. Absolutely ridiculous. Round the back, under pressure for Diolande's try. Lucan looks like the coolest cucumber out there. But the goo this week, it's not going to Razzie for dancing in his pants but it's going to the South Africans as, as a general collective. They're back to number one in the world. They beat the All Blacks in an incredible game over in Australia. They've answered a lot of critics. They had a tough time, but watching that game was unbelievable. So the good this week goes to the Springboks. Error. Uh, the bad. A few bits of bad. We're going to stick with the South African theme, and we've just mentioned it. The South African provinces played for, lost for this weekend. Pants down all over the place, so they get a mention in the bad. Uh Jack Ninaber he's going to get a mention as well because apparently he admitted to asking the water boy water boy to chase the assistant referee up the touchline and to shout at him to tell him it should be a 50-22 so that gets a mention in the bad this week what else was bad uh, we're going to mention wasps in the bad this week james
3: well i how can i argue with that really
0: <laughs> exactly uh, and we're just going to put their last minute of rugby union from the game at the weekend uh, in as the bad. The ball was in the Falcons 22, and you've managed to lose the game from there, guys. So frustrating for Lee Blackett and Waskett. I mentioned the bad this week. What else was bad? Albert Tuisui lost his head a little bit, pushed his forehead. Two foreheads came together, Jim. Not four skins, two foreheads (laughs) came together. Here's an Alex Wallers, which gave a penalty away to lose the game. So that was pretty bad. But the bad this week... Goes to all oh my semi. I am absolutely devastated that all oh my semi Randrandra is out for four months, sixteen weeks. He's had a knee op. He did it in the sevens, playing for Fiji, winning the gold medal. People want to see semi in the Premiership. Semi gives people a semi in the Premiership, doesn't he, Jim? So the bad this week, unfortunately, goes to semi Randrandra for being out for four months with a knee injury. Uh, ugly couple of bits of ugly this weekend, uh, and it's all based around. Red cards, really. Of course um, it is. Of course <laughs> has it Has to be. Uh, Ted Hill, we mentioned that earlier, lifting a player and dumping him to the ground. Uh, Lloyd Evans head first into the ground. I know there's a bit of conjecture around did he get kicked first, but straight red card for me. That was pretty bad. Tom Penny getting red carded, finger in the eye. I didn't think it's that bad. More unfortunate, but it doesn't look very good, so it gets a mention in the ugly. Joe Ticori, have a look at this tackle if you get a chance. Big high shot on Roman Rufanak, uh, nearly taking his head off in the top 14 for Toulouse against Bieritz. But the ugly this week goes to Rohan Yancy van Rensburg's tackle on Harvey Skinner. Flying out the line, out of control, absolutely slippers him on the floor and then runs back into the defensive line and doesn't even worry about him. Gets a red card, looks shocked. It's a red card all day long, Jim. So the ugly this week goes to Rohan Yancy van Rensburg's tackle.
1: Thanks, Gerdy, And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you, Jim?
0: I've
3: got a big shout-out to the Parachute Regiment. They're raising money to get elite soldiers and their families out of Afghan and back to the UK. They managed to get about half out during the evacuation back in August, but there's still a lot to do and there's still a lot of people left in Afghanistan and are still in danger. Obviously, we don't want to get political and get involved in all that, but it's come from a good source who's trying to do good things and obviously the British military, as well as other military organizations doing great things across the world. But they're raising money via the crowdfunder. It's crowdfunder.co.uk slash support our Afghans. Uh, they've raised about fifty percent of their target. But any help from us at the podcast and the millions of listeners would be greatly appreciated. So a big shout out to everyone in the military doing good things.
1: You're here. Thanks Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks producer Tristan and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify.
3: Rugby spot.
0: Spot a pod 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 pod.